Welcome to another episode of Sports and Songs Podcast. We're on season four, episode number 44. This is the songs edition, Andy. We're going to talk yes. about music, album, album review. We've got a special guest joining us here for the show. It's Carrie from Heartless. How are you doing, Carrie? I'm doing well. Thank you. So we've had Carrie on before. She's a lead singer, plays the Anne Wilson role of a heart tribute band called Heartless in the Twin Cities area. We've had her on before. Today's album we're going to cover. Um, we're going to get her input on some of this and then uh, talk about her and her other bands uh, when we wrap up. And Well, uh, let's get this started. I'm, I'm looking forward to your, uh, your take on... on these items all right here we go first of all the album we're going to do today is dog and butterfly it's uh i don't think it's a commonly known album per se yeah to be honest it's not an album that i am super familiar with or i should say i was before yep um i started this band but have have grown to really like so I, I think I kind of know what I expect to hear from this one. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we've done, uh, I think, three other heart albums of the of the bigger names of the bigger yeah. popular albums and whatnot. So when mm-hmm. we picked this one to do is when we were lining you up for the show and wanted to get your thoughts. So I'll start off here. Dog and Butterfly is a fourth studio album by American rock band Heart released in September 1978. So that is what, 45 years I suppose, yeah. yeah. Jesus. 45 years ago this month. Wow. Wow. So what they did, here's what Hart did on this album. Um, they announced it on the release, too, saying one side of the album is the dog side, which is more rocking, um, hard rock. The other side is ballads, mainly ballads, and that's called the butterfly side. So it's called Dog and Butterfly. Now, the... Uh, this was recorded Sea uh, West in Seattle. It's 39 minutes long. It's considered hard rock and folk rock. And of course, Anne, Nancy, Wilson, and Sue uh, Ennis uh, basically did all the writing for this. But it's basically a hard rock one side, ballads on the other. We're going to go through the songs and see how familiar you are with them uh, as ourselves, too. And even uh, Andy, I'd like to get to you. Yeah your thoughts on this as well they open up with the song cook with fire on the dog side so this is the rocking side they start off with cook and cook with fire any thoughts on that carrie yeah so we actually do this one and um this is one that i guess when i started the band because i'm more familiar with like i mean i would say you know dreamboat annie some of the hits off little queen but also the 80s stuff um i I wasn't, I didn't really know this song and I can't remember who brought it up to do, uh, obviously another band member. Um, but it's super cool because it's a live, there's a couple, I think, live versions on this album and it just, there's a great video. If anyone wants to look it up on YouTube of them doing this live, they've got like these big drums on both sides of the stage and, uh, just people like hitting these drums because it starts with this really, you know, starts with the drums and it's a really kind of um, the vocals like just shredding and it's awesome. So 
this is a song that I I think is a great set opener. Okay. Um, do you think many do do many tribute heart bands even do this song? How's that for a question? Uh, I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen any other heart tributes, but this is definitely a song that I would say we would only do on a longer set okay. because it wasn't really a, a hit, like technically speaking. Um, it's if we did track. like a, it's a deeper track, but it's also really accessible. So if we did like a two-hour show, I would probably include it. Okay. Um, but I don't think it would be one of the like main staples. You know, how about, staple hits. How about you, Andy? Any thoughts on that first song? <laughs> It's a good it's a good song to start an album with, I think. And like you said, yeah. you go in the start a set with we're doing a longer set. Kind of gets you set up for what the rest of the side is like on this album. Yeah. And then they follow then they follow up with the next two songs, High Time and High Jinx. What are your thoughts on those? Yeah, so I, those were two I, I wasn't that familiar with. I did listen to them today because I knew, you know, you guys are gonna be reviewing the album and um Hijinx, I know, is a song other fans like, but I, I don't know. It's uh, my personal opinion is it's kind of uh, maybe a filler song a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's yeah. hard to say. They have so many like great hits that when you hear a song that I think for anyone would be a great song for them is kind of like maybe second tier, but. I mean, they're okay. all good songs, but they're, those songs are a little more vibey, so okay. they maybe ask a little bit more of the audience, like a little more patience, you know? Gotcha. To, um, I, I think both of those songs are good good background music, because you have people over, you're playing cards, or it's good background music, keeps your attention, yeah. but you're never like stopping your conversation to sing along, either. You're just, that's a good song, you just keep going. Yeah, they aren't the catchiest of songs, I right. guess. Yep. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a fan myself of either one, you know, you know, a big time because the reason being the next song is straight on one of my all-time favorites from Heart uh at yep. any at any level. Straight on that song, one of my favorites. What's your thoughts, Carrie? Yeah, I mean, that's like that's one of those songs that you have to do. You know, if we had a 30-minute set, like straight on would be on it because it's so it's a very unique song if you really think about it. Um, because it is it's very vibey, you know, again, it starts with like drums, bass, and just very uh, rhythmic kind of song. But again, the vocals, the harmonies, especially on that are really good. They're so precise um, on that song. So yeah, Straight On's, I mean, it's, it's no surprise. It was like one of their singles, a huge hit for them off of this album. It, yeah. I also would say the production on that song is I think stands out from some of the other songs on this album. Um, I would say the same thing about, um, what's the other hit off this album I'm trying to think of? Um, not Dog and Butterfly, but. Not uh, Barracuda? Even no, it up? I'm yeah, but that's not on this album. But okay. but I do think the production, like on Straight On and Even It Up, are they're just a little different. Yeah. Um. I mean, very good. So I how think that's um just how about you, it Andy? made to be a hit. You know. Yeah, it almost yeah. sounds like with that song when they recorded it, they knew that was gonna be their. It felt like anyway, listening to it, they knew this was gonna be the hit song off the album and kept a little extra love and attention into it, a little more 
dotted the I's, crossed the T's in the song. Um, in the production yeah. part, everything else is very clean, very good, very all around. Yeah, and I, I feel that way about a lot of their albums. I mean, I have to say, I'm a big album person. Um, so I like to listen to full albums when I do listen to songs. Um, and I feel like Heart in general, I mean, they have great albums, but on every one of their albums, there's songs that you, I definitely feel like got more attention production-wise. Yeah. Um, and then there's some that are just kind of, you're sort of like, oh, okay, this, you know. Um, it almost felt like they go on like, all right, 10 minutes for lunch, let's get the song and let's go. <laughs> you know, it almost feels like some of those songs are like that. Right. Well, and then the album before this, so I don't know if you guys read anything about this, but they had this this big issue with their label, um, Mush, I think Mushroom Records, where they released the yes. album before this, which was magazine. They released it unfinished without their sort of consent. And and I and I feel like with that album, it really shows. Like, you can definitely tell that that album was unfinished, but certain tracks only. You know, so um, it's interesting to me that being with this new label, which this was their first record with um, Portrait. a new label, the, this album still kind of has that feel because I think they chose to do some live versions and mm -hmm. then some really polished, you know, like Straight On would be an example of that, um, which isn't bad. It's just uh, interesting. I mean, I find myself nowadays thinking a lot more about production than just like songwriting and performance um, because when you hear some of the songs on this album, um, the production just stands out. I mean, we'll get to some of the ones. I'll, I'll comment yeah. on the ones that I, I think so. But in the 70s, man, like production on these albums, there's so much space and clarity. And I miss that these days because we don't really have that um, in the digital world. Yeah, the way songs today are all thrown together, recorded in different studios for the same song, even and mixed together, you'll get that. It doesn't sound so clear. And they're so compressed, it's like there's no space. Like, like you listen to, to songs nowadays, and you, they're not three-dimensional. I mean, I don't know if that makes sense to people, but when you listen to this album, some songs on this album, you really, it's like you're listening to it, you can hear almost like a three-dimensional space. You can hear the space between all the different tracks, and that's a really special thing that the 70s had, you know, that for whatever reason, we just don't really... Songs just aren't produced like that anymore, you know. And without jumping to the end here, this is one of those where I grew up listening to this one. I heard it first on the album. With the vinyl coming back, this is one you got to hear on the album. Not on a CD or a tape. This is definitely vinyl you got to go get, this one. That's awesome. And so that's the that's the final song uh, Final song on the first side, Dog, uh, the four songs of the, of the hard are rocking. Now we flip over to the side two, which is a butterfly. We we'll start off with the song "Dog and Butterfly." Uh, thoughts yeah. on that one? That's the first track. This was also a song that was released in the following January of 1979. They released "Dog and Butterfly." Thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean it's a great song. It's one of those songs that when we play out, we um, definitely get a lot of requests for, which kind of surprises me because I think. In our particular band, I really like to try and play up the more hard rock songs. You know, um, I'm partial to Barracuda and Magic Man and Straight On and all those. But 
when we play out, I get, you know, sometimes I wonder like, oh, should we do Dreamboat Annie or um, Love Alive or something at some shows? Because sometimes you have an audience, they just, they're there to like rock out. Yep. We always get requests for Dog and Butterfly though. Wow. And, and it always kind of surprises me. So I do think this song touches a lot of people in a unique way, you know. Yeah, as well as songs, when you're listening to the songs, I'm okay with this ballad being thrown in. And again, I don't know why, but it's just a, a nice song. Everybody likes the song, but I couldn't tell you why. Yeah, I think the harmonies on this one especially are, again, they, they you know, Heart just has these really precise harmonies that when they hit you, it's, you know, it's very uh, effective, you know, kind of makes like the hair on your arm stand up. Yeah. When it's done really well, the tension between the notes. Yeah, the uh, the vocals are you know very very good uh, with all these songs, of course. Next song is "Lighter Touch," and then "Not a One," "Not a One." So let's cover those two next. "Lighter Touch" first, and then the song that Nancy sings, "Not a One." What are your thoughts there? You know, it's so funny to me. I have such a hard time telling which songs Nancy sing sings on. I mean, I know which ones. Like, obviously, she, yeah. she does. Um, There's the girl. She does these these dreams. But when I'm just listening to the album, like if I don't have the video, it's it's so funny how sometimes it's really hard to tell. I mean, they are sisters, right? So their voices definitely similar. Um, I think um, I like both of these songs because I think lighter touch reminds me of some of the slower sweeter tracks on magazine which i really like that definitely don't get played enough because they're just you know they're they're not um they're catchy if you listen to them enough but they're definitely not hits um i was listening to not a touch earlier today and it was and it was kind of funny because i think um you know this album came out in 78 there's a lot of things on not a touch production things you know like I don't know exactly what's being played. There's like kind of a synthy thing going on in the background of that, which I think is sounds very ahead of its time. Um, when I listen to that song, like I just remember thinking it sounds a lot like the Cocteau Twins from from like late 80s and early 90s. Uh, but whenever I listen to music, because I have the luxury, right, of listening to Every, I mean, I love older music to whatever's current, although I'm not so great at keeping up with current things. But it's it's just interesting to, for me to listen to a lot of these more obscure heart songs that weren't hits. And you kind of can hear things that are on these tracks that became sort of trendy later. Um, they're very vibey, like not a touch is, is or sorry, not a one. Lighter not a touch. One. Not a one. Not a one is like a very kind of cool vibey song that I think is pretty unique. I would say that's I mean, other than Mr. Wynn, that's probably the most unique track on this album. And a little ahead of its time, in my opinion. And how about you, Andy? Yeah, there are very good songs. You like I said, I don't want to say they were ahead of their time on it, but it was just stuff that you you didn't hear much then and you hear more of now. So I don't know if they were mm -hmm experimenting with it if they were i don't think they're trying to be like hey let's set the trend that wasn't their idea i think they're just experimenting no. it took off you know yeah yeah I that's like the 
thing about hard is like I don't think they were ever that trendy. You know, during their time, like, uh, but I would say they're very influential, but they were never trendy, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Um, because I think they, I think they honestly, they were very sincere. They were doing what they liked. And I don't think they really cared that much about, I mean, maybe in the 80s that changed. But I don't think, you know, in the 70s, these 70s albums, I don't think they're really concerned about being anything other than what they were and that's why they were good you know yeah. that's a good word sincere i think that's the best word that defines them in this in these 70s i think mm -hmm. um let's get on to the last one mr wind one of your favorites i think right yeah that's definitely a band favorite 100 percent uh totally bizarre song i mean from the title to the chords to the structure, um, it's weird. Um, we, I mean, I always like to say whenever we have shows, because if I don't put this on the set list, I get a certain amount of flack from everyone. Okay. Because the band just loves playing it. But as you could imagine, anyone who knows the song, it's not going to fit on every set list because it's long. It's very slow. And um, there's only really vocals through about two thirds of it. The whole last third of the song is all just instrumental but the vocals that are there are like um i think some of the most powerful vocals that Anne has ever really done on an album because it starts out very moody and slow we actually do it faster because it, it's like impossible to play it as slow as it is on the album but i love that it you know, on an album, it's a different format. I love that they do it that slow. You can get away with that on an album. Yep. Um, live, yes. you gotta pick it's, it up a little. That's close to uh, you know, close to seven minutes long. That song, so yeah. And it's you know, it's, the, you know I I was uh, one who had to look it up because I didn't know the definition of the uh, mistral wind. Yeah, so I had to look it up for the for the listeners out there. You know, that's a that's a wind. Um, down in the south of France, I guess that blows. It's a it's a cold, dry wind in the south of France that blows into the Mediterranean, and that's what it is called. That is the name of it. I never knew that ever, so I had to look that up. I did my homework for the show. Well, that's good. I mean, I didn't even know that. I just assumed. Well, you know, they're in Seattle. It must be some like nautical thing. <laughs> but yes, yeah, it was something in Europe, and it's it's uh, it's a it's no, that kind of wind is known, and I think that's where, of course, Anne brings that into the lyrics. Then and very, uh, very good, very good stuff. That's all we do is educate here. We educate. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm gonna have to use that now. My show is gonna have to explain that. To yes. People. Thank, thank you for that. Yeah. But it is a very bizarre song. I mean, structurally, the guitar um, parts on that and the phrasing are very unusual. Um, and it's just, it's one of these songs where whenever we get done playing it, we just get these blank stares from people. And I and I don't take it as a negative thing. I just think they're like, you know, what, <laughs> what was that? Because it, it is bombastic i mean it's kind of like i always describe it as their stairway to heaven because vocally it's just you know it starts out really slow and then you just get hit in the face with you know the power of of ann's voice so that's definitely for this album definitely my favorite song on the album 
probably the rest of the bands also. Okay. It comes out of nowhere. It's another song I did not know when I uh, started this band. So I, that was. I did not know, know them until I got into part. until I get into Heart later on. Um, I didn't know of that song either, but very popular. Yeah. All right. So this album, Andy, went double platinum. They only released two singles, Straight On and Dog and Butterfly. And um, any any other closing thoughts on the album before we get into some uh, chatting with Carrie here? I mean, I, I think it's a good album. I think it's definitely one that after being a fan of Dreamboat Annie, Little Queen, Little Queen's probably my favorite album. But I like Magazine, too. It's like... Uh, it's sort of like the last 70s, you know, heart album. It's definitely worth a listen for people because I do think out of all their their earlier work, it's probably the most neglected. Um, but there's a lot of treasures on there. And so I'd the, highly recommend it. I'll probably next, be listening to it more. The yeah. next album that came up uh, the next following year was Baby Lestrange. It was 1980. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm not as familiar, you know, I have to say, like, I'm not as familiar with um, the later albums, except Bad Animals. I really like that album. That was a very good album. Yeah, as an album, it was, I mean, to be honest, even as a fan of their 70s songs more, I have to say that was probably the best album that they put out in terms of it being... Um, having a cohesive production, having like just a, a really good um, sequence of songs. Uh, and that's not one I would have expected to like, but I really, I, I really love that as an album, you know, as like a put together thing. I feel like some of their 70s stuff, I feel like I could make a great album out of their 70s works, but to be honest, you know, from a from that perspective, some of some of those albums had, you know, I don't know, just seemed kind of unfinished. Which obviously they had some issues with their um, with their label on on that with some things, but they had a lot of great material in the seventies for sure. Now in two thousand four, they came out with a remastered reissue that included some bonus tracks. One was Heartless, a live version of Heartless. Um, <laughs> I I have not heard that. I don't believe. I don't have the reissue on uh, the bonus track from 2004, but that would be good. I mean, that's the name of the name of your band is Heartless, and that's one of their uh, greatest songs. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's an interesting band. I mean, because they definitely, as you know, the uh, the initial kind of uh, lineup. I think with the original. Rhythm section, Michael DeRozier and Steve Fossen, and obviously uh, Roger Fisher. I mean, as a guitar player, he just does some of the some of the most original things. Like he's very underrated as a guitarist. Um, I mean, for instance, like on Magic Man, which of course I didn't know this at the time. Um, playing that, he actually tuned his high E string to a G, which is um, which is very high. In fact, our original guitar player, you know, Mike Aronson tried to play it that way. You can play it without doing that. It just kind of changes it. And I think he broke the string. 
But I mean, it's just that kind of forward thinking. Like Roger Fisher was really trying to do some unique things on guitar in the seventies when, you know, it's like there was all kinds of um, classic sort of guitar playing going on. And, you know, you can't obviously discount what Nancy was doing on acoustic guitar, which I think you can hear really well on this album, in fact, um, her playing, which was always, I think, kind of hidden. Um, yeah, the, the late 70s, there was guitar players in the late 70s, the rock ones coming out. It was, uh, everybody was trying to up one each other all the time. And you lost the vocals on songs because you were listening to the, the guitars. Well, Hart kept the vocals going, and I think that's what makes them stick out a little too in the, their later, like this album especially. And I mean, there was certainly a lot of experimental things going on with bands in the 70s, but there was also commercially, um, I don't know what the word is for it, but there was a lot of like pedantic playing too, you know, where it was just like power chords and um, simple, powerful kind of guitar work. Roger Fisher was like doing all kinds of, weird stuff um that i think should be recognized more because when you learn these songs which was our whole excuse for starting this band was just to nerd out on on right. learning the compositions and the production and when we did that it's like wow they're doing all kinds of understated things that um that you know if you're just listening you don't necessarily know other than you know you like what you hear but when you have to learn this stuff, it's complicated. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, it's definitely more complicated than it sounds. To the, and to their credit, you know, they were really unique in that way. And Mistral Wind's a great example of that. Some of the guitar stuff on there is is um, very bizarre in the best way. A good bizarre, yeah. Yeah. And that's 45 years ago. Andy, um, you want to talk about... Uh... Carrie's upcoming uh, upcoming shows and things. You got you got a bunch of upcoming shows here coming up. Uh, all all three bands really. It looks like you're you're busy almost every weekend. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and actually it slowed down. So <laughs> yeah, you're you're on a break in a way right now. And I, and I know from um, I have it. My family, my wife, my daughter, aunt, uncle, all teachers. So I know you need these three bands to make some money in your life to to get things going. Uh, so yeah. you got the three different bands you're doing. You got. Heartless, so you got 70s and 80s rock there. You got Smells Like the 90s, obviously, the 90s rock. And you got a little, little little side gig with the Rolling Stoners there, too, so you got more 70s there. So you're covering all the wheels, all the calendars. Are you ever at a point where you're on a way to a show for, say, the Rolling Stoners, and you are you forget who you're, what band you're going to, and you're think, thinking all your heart runs on the way there and forget which show you're really going to? Uh, that's never happened on the way to the gig only because I would have to bring totally different things. Okay. But I will say there's many weeks where I'm like, I know I have something this weekend. I don't know what band it is, but you know, cause it's great. Cause with the Rolling Stoners, I, I sing back up and I play percussion. So I don't really have to haul gear. So, I mean, I love those shows cause it's like, I can show up late. I don't really have anything to load in. I just have to be there for sound check. <laughs> um, but the other ones, it's like guitars, amps, you know, pedal board. All that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, and like I said, we've talked to other people that are in different bands and that too. You get kind of ideas or pointers from people in the other bands. But have you ever had the, the Smells Like the 90s and Heartless play together at the same venue on the same night? 
Um, I've never had the '90s band in Heartless. I think I think there might have been one gig with the Stoners and Heartless. I think, but it really, in general, it hasn't overlapped much because, you know, I mean, with all three bands, we can we can cover an entire night, and this is just one of those sort of practical things when you're in a band. Um, I mean, I've played in a lot of original projects where it's more normal to do like a 45 minute set. So you're always going to be playing a gig with like, you know, one or two other bands. Um, but with these kind of cover tribute bands, it just, it doesn't make a lot of sense from a money perspective to split the night. Even though with Heartless, I, I like to, because even though we can play three hours of Heart, not many people want to hear three hours of heart. So, um, you know, we'll be like maybe halfway through the night and then you get a different turnover of crowd and they want to hear all the songs we did the first set. You know what I mean? So it just yep. becomes tricky in that regard. But same with the Stoners. I mean, the Rolling Stones. Yeah. I mean, you could play six hours and people would still get back in the song. Yeah, and then with the 90s, it's the same thing. It's hard to figure out what songs to pick. So it's it's really just more of like, it'd be fun to do that, but it's a little bit logistically impractical. You, you know? personally do your own trip fest with those three bands. What's that? You do your own trip fest with those three bands we one could. night. Yeah, we could. I mean, I, I've been in so many tributes. It's like, it's true. And, and, and it's really unfortunate, you know, with... With getting ready to move, I've had to pull away from some bands. I was in a um, a Super Tramp tribute band oh, okay. that they're in, I mean they're and they're still going to come out called the Super Tramps. So if you see if you see any shows in the future, you have to check them out. Um, I was in a Foreigner tribute, you know, but it's just like at this point, you know, the bands need to get people in there who can do the thing, and so. Super Tramps, a, a band. I got a, a brother's eight years older than me, and when I was younger, he got me into them because I was I got his hand me down to albums and tapes all the time. So nice, yeah. That was I remember getting a lot of. Now, like you say, uh, you will be moving at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, no offense, but you you like said you just do backup percussion with the Rolling Stoners, so they'll they'll live on. What about the other two bands? What's going on with that? Well, I mean, actually, so for the Rolling Stoners, I'm gonna. It's, it's hard to say, you know, what's possible. I'm definitely open to trying to fly back to do some shows. Um, with the Rolling Stoners, that's, I mean, that's what we do with our guitar player. He actually, he lived in Montana for the last couple of years. So um, that band, you know, I think can, um, we do, we play less, fewer shows, you know, and, and try and just capitalize on doing bigger shows. So it's possible, but um but the 90s band, I'm not sure. I mean, I think they'll probably try and get another singer and continue on. I mean, I hope they will. Because that band, actually, I didn't I didn't start. I joined that band. Okay. Um, they had another singer who, who left. And actually, the bass player in that band, Brian Bruzik, who's also in the Rolling Stoners, tried out for Heartless. That's how I met oh. him. Okay. Oh, okay. And, I mean, he's great. We just ended up going with Greg because our guitar player, Mike, knew him. So it was one of those, like, you know. But then after that, Brian asked if I wanted to sing because I think they needed someone to do Gimme Shelter. And so, and I think they might have had him. <laughs> they might have had <laughs> him singing it. 
so I think he had like a reason to find, <laughs> to find you know, someone else to do it. So he hit me up and then it was just from there, you know, because there's a lot of backup vocals on those songs. Um, oh, yeah. So well, like, You guys are playing Medina coming up here. We saw you last at Medina with um, Def Legend. They flew up from Texas for that. So other bands flying in that setup. Same show this time yep. with them again. Yeah. Um, and then yep. the Stoners are actually going to be playing Medina with Zed Leplin. Uh, the weekend before that. Is it? Yeah. I, yeah, so, I, yeah. I could just stay there all week. Yeah. Just stay in Medina and across the street there to stay there for the week. Yeah. yeah. But with that Heartless, is. we definitely are going to try and do some shows in the summer. Um, I think, um, you know, it's it's hard to say at this point what that's going to look like, but we'll definitely try and um, get a good mix of some nice outdoor shows. And, you know, there's some like bars in town that, I just, Jim, Jim, the drummer and I really like playing that, you know, don't, they're, they don't pay that much, but they're just kind of special places uh, for us. We get to play with other local tributes. So we'll probably try and play some of those like Palmer's or Uptown VFW. We're going to have a couple more gigs there this year. Um, so I think, you know, we'll definitely be around, but I don't know. We might, you know, so I'm moving down to Huntsville, Alabama, which is about an hour and a half from Nashville. So we'll probably try and, you know, we might try and start something down there. Uh, it's just kind of, you know, it's kind of up in the air. Get, get moved in actually, first. What's that? Get moved in first, then look around, see if there's other people need for bands. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be pretty busy with, you know, the new job and everything, but... The great thing about music is, I mean, I've lived, you know, several other places and it's like being a musician is the easiest way to meet people. I, I lived in Texas four years and played bass in a country band because, you know, that's like and did solo stuff because that's, you know, what there is down there. But it's when you when you're a musician, it's very easy to meet people through music because there's oh, yeah. musicians everywhere, you know, and they're generally very friendly you know social group of people so right that's one thing we found out through this the last four years doing it talking to different people like you they'll be in three or four different bands and they're three or four different genres they're playing in too which kind of keeps it fresh in a way too you're not bored playing the same old you know 70s rock all the time or the same you know you kind of mix it up keeps it fresh is that is that yeah, sort of I mean, fun for you all the time being different bands like that yeah, I mean it's it's quite addictive. Like I always say, like I like I have the it's like an uh, illness or something because there's no way I could not do it. It's just you know what is it going to be? I mean I haven't played solo gigs in a long time, but that's probably what I'll start doing when I move down there because it's easy. And and I'm actually kind of looking forward to that because I like all kinds of music. I mean I'm really there's really very few genres that I don't enjoy or, you know, I at least try and look for something that I, I connect with in, in different music. So it's just like the possibilities are really endless, you know? Yeah. Well, like I said, we, so we taught this, it wasn't going to be a, a, a farewell tour type interview, but just a thank you. Um, the stuff you guys have done here. We've seen you a handful of times between the two of us, um, enjoyed the work. Um, like to see you again this summer. Is come back up. 
I don't think I can make the November show, but this summer we'll keep an eye for you up this way. But um, that's all I got, Dan. You got any other uh, closing closing comments? No, I just I just inter- interested in seeing that nineties uh, that nineties uh, smells like uh, what is it called? Smells like the nineties. Smells, smells like, like the nineties. Yeah, we have a. Uh, oh God, I, I don't know the dates. I think we're at Ziggy's um, Stillwater, November. 10th or 11th i can't remember i want to say it's the 11th and then we're also there for drinks giving eve so the wednesday before thanksgiving sure. um and then we're in hudson one uh, aren't I can't you remember. We're out in hopkins too in december at main street is that what i think I so know? yeah yeah and also heartless so technically heartless's last show in town is december 29th at main street yeah um, oh Okay. Bar and Grill and Hopkins, though. But we do have a handful before that. Um, yeah, for the. Uh, say, oh, sorry. For the, for, the, uh, for the listeners out there, if you haven't seen Heartless perform, um, get it on your list. It's a it's a must do. It's a very good show. Uh, you do a very good job there, Carrie, and the rest of the group. So. Thank you. Yeah, and I want to say thank you both for you know supporting us because, um, you know, really in this day and age, for any live band any live performer it's you know it's really about getting people out there to your live shows i mean you know you're not selling cds yeah, some bands have merch and things like that but i mean the best thing you can do if you know someone in a band or if you just like you know music is going out and just coming out to shows so you know we just want to thank you both for supporting us throughout the years and no problem awesome. yeah keep us close what we're doing on alabama too yeah, I'll let you. I'll let you know. <laughs> All right. Yes. Good luck. Good luck with everything in the future. And thanks again for being on the show. And um, I think that's all we've got for for today. It's once again, it's Heart, Dog, and Butterfly, 1978, 45 years ago. Wow. wow. All right. Thanks, Carrie. Have thanks, a good one. Thanks, Carrie. Yep. Thank Bye-bye. you. See ya. Bye. All right.